Hello and welcome back to Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I am Mike Casaza. It is late on Monday night. I have just witnessed West Virginia defeat Oklahoma State 55-41. to If that sounds like it was hard to watch, you're right. Not the most pleasing game for basketball purists, especially if you happen to like to Side of the ball going through the basket didn't happen too often for either team tonight, especially Oklahoma State, which we'll get to. But of note for West Virginia, dusts itself off after, all things considered, a physical and draining performance just two days earlier at Kansas and wins a row game to get even in Big 12 play 1-1. One one. That is significant because Big 12 teams were 5-0 and on the road, excuse me, 5-0 and at home on Saturday, and West Virginia now has 6 of 8 at home, quite an advantage, as maybe this team is better than the lowest moments after Saturday's loss suggested. 55 points scored, and you win? That's pretty good basketball, at least in the Huggins parlance here at West Virginia. Certainly you want to score more. That does not seem to be West Virginia's strength, but defense... This is pretty good right now. We've written about how skilled they are defending the three-point line tonight. Oklahoma State missing Thomas Dezagua. He has the flu, doesn't play tonight. That's the Big 12's leading three-point shooter. He was missed. Oklahoma State went one for 20 for three-point range, started 0 for 16. Did mount a little bit of a rally with its first, last, and only three-pointer. But still, couldn't get it going, and a lot of those shots were contested off-balance, askew, not what they wanted. And West Virginia has something to do with that. A win with 55 points, not common in this day and age of basketball. Everybody's trying to put points on the board and put the ball over the basket. You sacrifice defense for offense sometimes. That is not how the Mountaineers do it. But still, this is not common stuff since the Final Four season. So the beginning of the 2010-2011 season, West Virginia has scored 55 or fewer points 25 times. This is the third win. So that is pretty good stuff for West Virginia. How did this one go? Uh, bumpy is probably the right word. Wasn't pretty at a lot of points, but West Virginia really never in danger once it took a lead, uh, but this game never really got away from either team. West Virginia's best run was 7-0. Oklahoma State's best run was 6-0. Oklahoma State's largest lead, though, was 13-12. That was also their largest lead. West Virginia had control of this, built the lead to be as large as 18 points late in the second half, and got a lot of contributions from a lot of people to make this happen. Oscar Sheway, 12 points, 8 rebounds. And we need to stop and talk about the freshman here. I don't think we're at the point where we're running out of things to say about him because we are just 14 games into this, but we are also seeing new and different things from him at all times. It wasn't long ago we were infatuated with his bank shots. It wasn't long ago we were infatuated with his offensive rebounding. These are all things that he has put on display at certainly an all-conference and perhaps even uh, all-American level. We'll see. We'll see. But you can certainly see the talent, the potential there. And now we have to talk about this. There are certain things in sports that are singular moments that you can identify. Uh, no matter what player or team you root for, you know something is going to happen. And you can't take your eyes away from it. It's Lionel Messi when he is dribbling through and around defenders. 
It is Mariana Rivera coming in to close a game out. It is Brett Favre at the end of a football game. You get these things that you just associate with the sport because of the player and the situation. Perhaps I can come up with more modern or relevant or recent examples than those three I just gave you, but certainly you get the idea. If you are a fan of a sport or a team or just sports in general, there are grab the remote and change the channel moments. You'll see something on Twitter where you're like, oh, I got to go watch this. And I think we have to begin to consider here what we're watching with Oscar Shibway on the fast break. Listen, lots of guys run the fast break. Point guards, shooting guards, guys who make fantastic passes, and guys who can just flat out fly and dunk the ball or do something special when they are on the move like this. Shibway is six foot eight and 260 pounds. He is fast. He's a locomotive who's not out of control but is screaming downhill. He's going for the basket, and we are seeing this on a fairly regular basis now where he makes something happen on the run. He caught a really sharp pass from Jermaine Haley for a dunk today in transition, but even before that, I mean, the catch in the dunk is one thing which he has missed before. We'll get to that in a second. But he made a pass to Haley to get the ball out of his hands, looked very smooth, and then got himself back on the runway for the dunk. Uh, it looked like it has been rehearsed so much that it was his second nature to those two, and it was. But um, it's not only that. It's when you watch him chase down a teammate and get in position for an offensive rebound and a score when they miss a layup, which the Mountaineers are prone to do. Uh, it's watching him run guys away from whoever has the ball so there's an alley there. Uh, it's setting himself up for dunks. It's setting himself up for second shots. Um, it's just a fun thing to watch right now. And again, you don't think it's too special because it's basketball. You're going to see a lot of fast breaks. You don't see big guys who are freshmen who, I mean, let's be frank here, um, he's still raw. He's still unrefined. He does not know a lot about the game. But if you read our VIP story today, you notice that he is a brilliant player, according to assistant coach Ron Everhart. That was his word. He used it a couple of times. I don't know how to qualify brilliance in running a fast break, but you can see certainly some mental strength there where he is figuring out how to get himself in the best position for himself or his teammate there. Most importantly, getting himself in the worst possible position for the defense because he makes something happen at all times there. But 12 points, 5 of 6 shooting, uh, 2 for 3 at the foul line, including two big free throws when the game was getting a little bit hairy. Um, out of a timeout, too, which isn't an easy thing to do sometimes. You come back in cold from that break and you got to go make two free throws. You're thinking about it if you are a 62% free throw shooter which Shibuya is, but went in, knocked it down, and kind of gave control back to the team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. 
Probably the player of the game, though, in the unexpected category would be Brandon Apper. Um, eight points, three for three at the foul line, three assists, and if you're familiar with Napper's career arc, uh, turnovers are the problem with him. No turnovers tonight, and he played 14 minutes, and you got to think that if he doesn't play as well as he does, I'm not sure they lose this game, but it's not as easy as it was. Uh, he was plus 10 and plus minus. Um, she played plus 17. Derek Culver plus 18. We'll also talk about Culver for a second here, too. Looked really out of control. He looked like the locomotive who was screaming down the hill and was completely unhinged at times. Um, just one of those things where he gets too fast and he gets too frustrated and it doesn't work for him. Um, he's not great like that. Few players are. He is definitely one of those players who struggles when he does not have himself tucked in. Um, I thought he played terrific defense. Um, they used him out in the perimeter to guard people. He deflected balls. He made sure they didn't make passes in spots they wanted to to get the ball where they wanted to go. He was good in the post. Uh, grabbed defensive rebounds. Um, I believe nine of his 12 were on defense. Look, he goes three for 10 from the foul line. Um, that's a problem because he was a really good shooter. And I had people confide in me that they had no idea what got into him. And they just hoped it continued. It hasn't. But three for five on the floor. At the end of the day, nine points, 12 rebounds, two assists, two steals. And again, I think excellent defense in a bunch of different positions where um, he finished the game with a flourish that you think frustrations perhaps are going to prevent him from providing earlier in the game. So good moments there from key players that you expect and you don't expect. Of course, um, Oscar, excuse me, Miles McBride, 10 points and really gave the team a boost in the first half. Did his thing. Um, came in right away, got five points, end of the first half. West Virginia mucks up a possession. Uh, Jordan McCabe gets a good look at a three. I'm not sure you can say it's a good shot with him because of the way he shot the ball this year, but missed a three. And then Huggins put his freshman in. And McBride, who um, had an issue against St. John's late in the game, um, he dribbled a couple times and set himself up for a three-pointer, and that gave West Virginia a nine-point lead and the momentum it had threatened to lose at the end of the first half. Um, so that's a good turnaround from the St. John's game for him. Which reminds me, um, West Virginia dunking more than normal. We've chronicled that with our, well, it's really hot and popular right now, the dunk tracker. Uh, leading the team in dunks, West Virginia up to 33 dunks right now because he had two today. And you'll remember, this got started when he missed a transition alley-oop against St. John. So kind of a cool full circle thing you think about. Um, I don't know how quickly this team may be coming together here. I think that perhaps the loss to Kansas gets folks down. Ohio State also losing gets folks down. You think maybe that's a bit of fool's gold, that win there in Cleveland, and maybe the loss to Kansas is more of a reality check. I don't know. Maybe West Virginia's good. Good defense. You saw them really take Ohio State out of anything it liked to do on offense and keep them uncomfortable. And I think one of the best offensive teams in the country didn't have it that day. Kansas, we mentioned this, um, fewest points in a win in five years. Um, the problem there is West Virginia's offense wasn't good then, and it wasn't today. Didn't matter, though. Um, corrections from last game. Chris had mentioned this, too. Um, Harler and McNeil together were minus 10 on the floor in a game that West Virginia lost by 7. They played a lot together. I don't think they played at all before or after one stretch at the end of the first half where they put four shooters in just to get a chance at the end of the half, and nothing happened there with them, obviously. Um 
And truth be told, Napper kind of saved the day for them a little bit. And Taz Sherman, who had a nice finish to the Kansas game, was in there in the clutch minutes. He was the guy who got the first look, and he responded with a couple of baskets today. Uh, he made two three-pointers and looked better. Six points, two rebounds, one assist, positive minutes from him. Story of the game, though, is not the offense. I think if you're talking about offense in West Virginia, especially on a night they scored 55 points, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Defense was it. We mentioned Culver. Thought he was good. And you have to tip your cap to guys like, I don't know, Emmett Matthews, Jermaine Haley, perhaps even Tad Sherman. They did a good job on defense against Isaac Likely, who is a very, very tough guard. He's 6'4 and 210 pounds. Uh, he scored 23 points on West Virginia last year on 10 shots. Um, he was 7 to 10. He got to the line a bunch and did his thing. Uh, he's just hard to keep out of there. He shoots about 65% from two-point range. He gets to the basket. He doesn't take jumpers. Uh, he took two shots today. You can't score if you don't have the ball. Uh, Haley, McBride, Sherman, Matthews, they all took turns at different parts, whether it was by design or by switch, and they just made sure that he didn't get the ball. Um, that kind of unplugged Oklahoma State's offense. They couldn't do nearly as many things as they wanted to do, and that's good. So he was one for two and had five points and just didn't look right. Um frustrated, forced a lot of stuff. He got himself into trouble where he couldn't get out of, and he had eight turnovers, eight. That's not the type of player he is, but that's what West Virginia can do to you when they're playing like they were tonight. Um, only other player, only two players in double figures for Oklahoma State. That'll happen when you score 41 points. Uh, Lindy Waters, 12 points, four of 16 from the floor, one of nine from three-point range. And Cameron McGriff, 10 points, started the game with a dunk, um, and then was pretty quiet after that, too, so... Not a lot going on on offense there. Oklahoma State shoots 14 for 48. That is 29%. 1 of 20 from three-point range. That is 5%. And 12 of 20 at the foul line. That is 60%. Not great numbers. And when you put them next to West Virginia's numbers, heck, the Mountaineers look pretty good. 39% from the floor. 25% from three-point range. And, oh, man, 11 for 20 from the foul line. Uh, I believe Shibwe and Napper were the only players to go Either two for two or one for one at the foul line. That's an issue. Uh, rebounding, West Virginia crushed. Grabbed 40. Plus 14 on the boards. Used their bench. Ran 12 guys into the game in the first nine minutes. Outscored in 28 to 12. And then second chance points. Well, you wouldn't believe it, but actually Oklahoma State won that one, 8 to 11. All those missed shots, you figure West Virginia would do something to it. Truth be told... Probably why the game stayed the closest it did. West Virginia got eh, just one more shot tonight. So West Virginia grabbed defensive rebounds, played pretty good defense, limited chances, and ducked a few haymakers. Oklahoma State had some good shots, had some open looks at threes, and just didn't make them tonight. Different score, maybe, with Thomas DeZaga playing, different outcome. Not when West Virginia is playing defense like that. So it ends a good road trip. Um, not an embarrassing performance against Kansas, and a win tonight. And again, to go one-on-one -on, -one on the road when no Big 12 road team won the first day, hey, that's good. And now you play six of your next eight games at home, beginning with a tussle on Monday night, excuse me, Saturday night against Texas Tech. And Texas Tech absolutely destroyed Oklahoma State on Saturday, won by 35 points in Lubbock. But Texas Tech will have its hands full when it plays Baylor on Tuesday night. So that'll wrap it up here. West Virginia 
perhaps looking like West Virginia. Um, this may be something we think about in the future here. Bob Huggins famously said there's a lot of shooters and there's no way they're all going to be off at the same time. That seemed like... <laughs> That seemed like a bad thing to say at the time because you just knew that somebody would be saying on a podcast or in print that, boy, that didn't turn out to be true. Um, flashes tonight from different players, be it Sherman, be it Napper. Even Jordan McKay made a three in a big spot early in the second half to kind of make sure the momentum bridged the first and second half. But, hey, um, it's a long season. There's plenty of time for these guys to pull it out of the ditch. But perhaps this is a team that is committed to defense and winning with, oh boy, with 55 points. You want to get that up probably closer into the 70s if you can. 80s may be way too much for this team to tackle on a regular basis, especially against some of these defensive teams that they're going to see in the conference. But 55 won't do it. 55 did it tonight. That's all for this time. I will see you next time. For 24-7 Sports, I'm Mike Casazza.